Brian Kaplovitz, and you're listening to the Speaker Match Radio Series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. This is a live show where we interview top experts in the speaking industry and business to provide emerging speakers with marketing strategies and other business building advice. If you're listening live, you can participate in this call online right now by going to speakermatch.com slash radio. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Brian Kaplovitz, your host, and our guest today is Dan Janelle, who has spoken everywhere from Beijing to Budapest, from Brazil to Boston, and he has taught classes at both Berkeley and Stanford. Dan has written 13 books, and he is the person who can help you write your book in a flash, which happens to be the topic of today's call. Uh, before we bring in our guest on the line, I, I would like to also share that Dan was the president of his, of his National Speakers Association chapter in Minnesota and an award-winning daily newspaper reporter and business newspaper editor who interviewed President Gerald Ford and First Lady Barbara Bush. I can keep going with Dan's endless credentials, but this is all to say that it's an honor and a privilege to have Dan on our program today. Thank you for spending time with us, Dan. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me back, Brian. I think this is my fourth or fifth time on your show, and it's always a delight to help your guests uh, learn how to navigate the speaking business and make more money from their speeches and grow their businesses and influence and help more people. So I'm delighted to be back on for an encore presentation. Yeah, and you know, you always have great topics, and this is a new one for you. Um, but uh, you, uh, you're really great at giving valuable information that people can use, and I think that's one of the reasons we have so many people on the call today. So we appreciate that, too. Well, thank you very much. You know, you probably know me as the PR leads guy, and I've really been on the show many times talking about publicity. So when I wrote a book uh, earlier this year called Write Your Book in a Flash, people started wondering if I was abandoning publicity. I was saying, no, 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 this is this really brand extension because Publicity is all about making you an authority, and writing a book is part of building your brand and building your authority and giving you another outlet to share your wisdom and advice and influence with the world and make it a better place. So I see writing as just being a natural outgrowth for my own talents because I've written 13 books. Uh, so I figured, like, why not write a book about writing a book? It sort of reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where Kramer writes a coffee table book about Coffee tables, complete with uh, <laughs> yeah. fold out uh, fold out legs. If you remember that episode, it was, it was pretty funny. I do. That's a great idea too. So uh, yeah, you're you're right. A lot of people do know you as the PR leads guy, and uh, I, I don't know if as many people realize that you were an author. But 13 books over to the past 25 years or so. That's uh, that's a lot. And uh, tell tell us a little bit about you know. How uh, how you decided to become an author, how you got started with that, and maybe what's changed over the past 25 years in that uh, that whole world? Sure, that, that's a great place to start because uh, it's never been 
a better time or an easier time to write a book. I remember back in 1991 when I wrote my first book, it was self-published. It was called How to Publicize High-Tech Products and Services, and I was doing high-tech PR at the time, and it really did launch my career uh, because I was seen as the expert on publicity because I wrote that book, and I was totally focused on promoting hardware and software and the computer industry, and it really made a name for myself. It led to speaking engagements at uh, computer trade shows and the Software Publishers Association, and it really set me apart from everyone else. So there's, there's a writer downer for everyone listening. You know, why do you want to write a book? Because it will set you apart from everyone else. And frankly, in the world of speaking, a lot of people already have written books. So if you don't have a book, you'd be seen as being less than everyone else who has written a book. Uh, so when I speak to some groups uh, where, where, where it isn't common for people to, to write a book, that really does make them stand out. But in the speaking industry, it really is the entry point. It, it, it would help you go from being, you know, a $500 or $2,500 engagement speaker to a 5000 to 10000 or even more, depending on your specialty. Uh, I know one guy, uh, well, I shouldn't mention names, but uh, <laughs> there's one guy who wrote a book in my chapter, and he is the person in that field now, and I know he's getting more than $25,000 in speech, and his book is really, really phenomenal, and the book really helps solidify his credentials. So as a speaker, the book really makes you. So, But you asked uh, how I got started writing books. Um, well, you know, I was doing high-tech PR, and one, one thing led to another. So I was on the PR team that launched America Online, and uh, that was back in the, 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 the early 90s. And I noticed all of a sudden that there was this Internet thing that was on the front page of every newspaper. And I figured, like, what, what is this Internet? You know, there's no board of directors for the Internet. There's no um, – PR company being paid by the internet, uh, and yet it's on the front page of every newspaper in the country. What's going on here? So I figured there was a book <laughs> that needed to be written, and since I uh, had my background with AOL and I was a system operator or a forum host on CompuServe, I knew a lot about the online world and the internet world, so I wrote what was considered the first book about marketing on the internet. And that, of course, led to speaking engagements, as you said, you know, literally all around the world, from Beijing to Budapest. I taught uh, the first Internet marketing class at Berkeley. I taught Internet branding at Stanford. So it opened a lot of doors. Um, so what's changed in the last 25 years or so since writing books? Well, back in the olden days, uh, you could self-publish, but it was really expensive. I hired a, a desktop publisher, and it cost me a small fortune, and you had to source uh, printers, and it was really expensive. Uh, or you could go the publishing route, and my internet marketing yeah, uh, book sorry, was published you hired by John a, you, hired a desktop, you hired a desktop publisher? What does that mean? Well, a, a guy who designed the book, you know, someone who actually laid out the book, who, had, oh, who knew like how to a, use the software. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You see, see that that's a great question. I'm glad you I'm glad you interjected there because now we take these things for granted. <laughs> you could easily lay out a book with Microsoft Word or some other program. Back then, it was really really hard. You had to hire a graphic designer who knew how oh about letting and kerning and the spaces between the words and between the uh, the lines. It, it was it was a whole big production and expensive production too. So. Uh, that was my first self-published book. Now, for the online marketing book, that was published by John Wiley, you know, a major international publisher. And uh, that's, those are your two options back then. It was either vanity publishing or traditional publishing. And traditional publishers did a great job, but they were really the gatekeepers. And if they didn't like your work, 
there were very few options to get your book published. Today, you know, fast forward to today, and anyone can be a publisher. I mean, everyone online, frankly, is a publisher. Uh, everyone listening today probably writes their own blogs and updates their own websites. Uh, you are a publisher. Um, and there's no reason why you can't publish your own books because you could go to CreateSpace or Amazon and upload your manuscript and have it turned into a book in very short order for very little money, if any. Um, and there are all sorts of people uh, all over the world who can lay out and design books and book covers for very inexpensive prices. Uh, so you could you could write your manuscript, turn it into a book, and get it online and get it selling on Amazon or your website in very short order. And then you could also have print copies to take with you when you uh, speak and sell from the back of the room or advance sale uh, your book as well. So there's never been a better time to uh, be an author. In fact, uh, when I when my first book was published, was self-publishing, I think it cost me about $17 per copy. Now you can go to, say, CreateSpace, and it costs maybe two and a quarter, $2 and a quarter to print a book. In fact, it probably costs more to ship the book than to print the book. So here's another wow. tip for you. If, you, if you, you don't need a garage full of books anymore. Well, that was another thing back 25 years ago. If you want to buy books, you have to buy like 1,000 or 3,000 at a time in order to get a good price for your book. Now you can get print on demand and literally have them print out only as people order them from Amazon. Or you could print uh, 10 and have them send it to you or print 100 and send it to the hotel where you're speaking at and pay for one shipping fee. And that's my uh, little hidden tip for you that I learned the hard way. It's a lot cheaper to send 50 books <laughs> one time than uh, one book 50 times. So order in a reasonable amount of books so you don't want your garage you know, with thousands of books. But if you print 100 or 200 at a time, you'll, you might have enough to take with you on conferences and save money on shipping and printing. So you, uh, you mentioned a resource, uh, CreateSpace. What is that? Well, the CreateSpace, actually, actually, a lot of people online probably are familiar with CreateSpace, uh, but it's undergoing a change right now. CreateSpace was part of Amazon where it was like a self-publishing division. You could upload your book to this service called CreateSpace. They would uh, lay it out for you and let you know if there were any problems with layout or format. They could design a cover for you. They even had proofreaders and copy editors on staff who could edit your book for a price. Or you could just send them your finished manuscript and upload it to them, and they, they would take care of all the production, and then it would be listed on Amazon for sale. So it was pretty much a turnkey operation, but Amazon is reconfiguring their relationship with CreateSpace now. There are other services as well that can help you get your book online and listed with Amazon too. Do you have any recommendations for those? Uh, I like to keep it simple. I'm just going to use CreateSpace, uh, but if you can go online and uh, just just Google, and you can probably see reviews from other people and see what their experiences have been. But I've only used CreateSpace, so that's my limitation. Okay, good enough. So there's a lot of books on the market right now, and you're, you're right. Uh, most speakers or a good number of speakers do have a book. Well, what are some of the advantages that you see to a speaker having a book in the first place? Well, there's, there's credibility and authority, as, as, as I mentioned. Uh, when you write a book, you are seen as the expert. Uh, but also, it, it, and also you can make money from, from the book because you could pre-sell the book, you could sell the book there. 
Uh, you can sell multiple copies of the book to uh, to, to the to the uh, to the to the group that's hiring you to speak. You can make that part of your negotiation. Um, if you know if they can't afford your full fee, then ask them if they have an education budget, and then they can buy the books under the education budget, and you make money there. So. Uh, those are some good financial reasons. But, of course, I think the book is really a big business card today. And the book can, you know, it's nice to get speeches and everything, uh, but it's also nice to get follow-up work. And a lot of speakers offer services for coaching and consulting, and I think that's really where the real money is for a lot of speakers uh, because you can speak for, you know, a couple thousand dollars, which is great, uh, but you can also get a lot of coaching clients for five and ten and fifteen thousand dollars as well, and leverage your book and your intellectual property and your uh, mojo that way as well. So the book can help you launch your business and grow your business uh, as as well as your speaking business. So you see you see a book for a speaker as a calling card. They do you think that most People should not uh, be thinking they're going to make a lot of money from sales of the book. Well, speakers are in a unique position for making money from their book, more so than, say, other people in other professions who write books. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, because you can sell books at your events. So if you're a very popular speaker, a very busy speaker, you can make some good money from the sale of your book. But if you think you're going to sell tens of thousands of copies of books on Amazon, well, I hate to burst your bubble, but very, very few people do that. And it takes a lot of effort to do that. And uh, statistics show that most people who write books don't sell more than 500 copies. So you really have to work at it to, to make money as an author. And that's why I think that uh, speakers and coaches and consultants can really leverage their book because they can get those, those extra engagements for speaking and coaching that, that can pay far more than your average speaking fee. Uh, and you can leverage your time uh, as well. So let's say you're a coach or a consultant and you handle five or six coaching clients uh, a, a day you know, you can leverage that far better than, you know, going to the airport and wasting six hours on a plane and going to a hotel. And, you know, that's all part of the of the mix as well. So I'm not uh, saying that it's, uh, that it's not important. It is. Um, but the whole purpose, I think, of the book is really the leverage that you can get in turning it into all the other different kinds of income streams that make for a successful speaking business. Books can uh, can take a really long time to write, uh, but you say that people can write their book in a flash. Can you talk a little bit more towards that? Sure. In fact, uh, the subtitle of my book is The Paint-by-Numbers System to Write Your Book of Your Dreams Fast. And I, 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 I called it that because I remember back to when I was a little kid and my mother bought me this uh, Paint-by-Numbers kit and I'm sure many people had uh, had them as well. And, you know, think back. You start off with a blank canvas, except it wasn't completely blank because it had the outlines of the picture drawn in. So let's say it was a, a farm scene. There was a, an outline of a barn and some animals and some cows and some farm machinery and the sky and grass and all that. But it was all, it was all blank except for this little outline 
And inside though, that outline was a number. So you see number 15, you see that's green. Okay, I'm going to paint in the grass. And then you see number uh, 12, and you see that's black, and you paint in a spot on the cow. And then you see number uh, 6, and you see that's white, so you're painting in some clouds. And before you know it, you have a picture done. And you think you're an artist, but you're really, you had help along the way because you had an outline. And I take that same analogy for writing a book. You can write a book fast if you have an outline. Now, people uh, say, oh, I have writer's block. I don't know what to write about. I stare at a blank piece of paper. Well, the outline gets you over that writer's block. In fact, I'm going to make a, a free offer to everyone on the call. You can download a free chapter of my book on how to overcome writer's block. I believe I heard every excuse you can imagine. And this chapter debunks or gives you exercises on how to overcome those limiting beliefs. Just go to writeyourbookinaflash.com and a little pop-up box will come on and will make you that offer to just uh, input your email address and you'll be able to download that chapter for free and then you'll be able to write your book so I think the outline is everything and I think I like to keep it simple so I think a book should say have 10 chapters and 10 is a great number because everything is divisible by 10 very easily I like to keep things simple so, I mean, if your outline grows when you're writing the book, you have 15 chapters, that's okay. I'm not going to knock you on your on your knuckles or anything. Um, but the point is, let's start with 10 chapters. And we have to think about the first reason. Why, why are people buying this book? You know, you want people to get to know, like, and trust you. That's why you're writing the book. Why are they reading the book? Well, they have a problem. And the only reason they're going to buy a book or read a book is to solve that problem. So your book should address, say, nine issues that they have trouble with. So look back to all of your frequently asked questions. You know, look back to all the, 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 the things that people are asking you about your business or about how you help people. And then those become your, your basic nine chapters. So the first chapter is an overview of everything you're going to show them. And then each additional chapter addresses a, another problem that they have and you can use examples on how to how you've helped people solve that problem. And in that way, you become the trusted guide who leads them from dysfunction to function. You lead them from mess to success. And then the last chapter is not a recap of what you told them. I know speakers like to say, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. No. The last chapter is really like, how can we work together? This is where you're turning these, these readers into your coaching clients and your consulting clients so you can make the big bucks from them because now they know, like, and trust you to solve their problems. And they're asking themselves the question, how can I work more closely with this person so she can help me uh, solve these problems? So that's what the 10th chapter is. And, of course, you can have one sheets after that uh, that chapter that talk about your speaking or your coaching or your consulting or any other services or products that you have. You might have courses. So that's a great place for them to get additional education from you because, let's face it, some people um, have the money to work with you individually. Other people would rather take a home study course. Other people um, – want to travel to see you or can't afford to travel to see you or whatever their modality is. Everyone is a little bit different. So you can have different products that appeal to each different modality and each different price point, and that becomes part of your book. So that's the major outline. And here's where it really gets interesting. I've created um, 
what should actually be in each chapter. Because, again, it, it comes down to the writer's block. What am I going to write about? What should I have here? And I've created uh, what I call describers. Describers is an acronym for the 10 things that can be in a, a, a chapter in a book. It, you don't have to have all of them, but you can have some of them. So if you outline your your, your book uh, very detailed-like, you'll never run out of ideas. And I'll go through these very quickly here, uh, but you can read more about them on my website. So describers would be diagrams, engaging numbers, your signature story, cartoons, a relevant quote, incidents and anecdotes, bar charts and graphs, external research, research that's internal, you know, your own case studies, your own thoughts and ideas, uh, and other case studies you've done with other people. And those are 10 things that you can use that will flesh out any chapter. And I've worked with a number of clients over the past year as a developmental editor and a book coach, and I've used these ideas to help them get over some of the dry spots they've had. It's, it's pretty fascinating to working with people. And if you follow those steps, you will never run out of ideas, and you'll get your book done really, really fast. So most speakers certainly have a message that they deliver with any speech that they have. They can uh, they can easily take some of the ideas that they have in a speech, I'm guessing, and put that together into a book, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. I'm glad you mentioned that because when people sit down to write a book, they think they're starting from, from scratch. Uh, but speakers have a distinct advantage because many people on the line have a huge body of intellectual property that they can draw from. So if you follow my outline and my describers, you could probably go back through your blog posts, your articles, your speeches, your transcripts, your interviews on podcasts and webinars like this, and turn that into a book. And if you don't have the time, you can hire a ghostwriter, uh, which is a service that I provide as well, and they can make sense of it for you because sometimes you're too close to the material, and that can be, uh, what do I keep? What do I, what do I take out? Well, someone who's a little bit more removed from that can act as an editor and help you along the way. But, again, many people on the line are not starting from square one because you have material that you've already created and you can reuse and repurpose, and there is no law against it. <laughs> There's no, no third-grade teacher, no college professor is going to run up to you and say, no, 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 you can't do that. You have to start from scratch. No, you've worked hard. You've created material. Now is your chance to multipurpose that material and leverage it into a book. In fact, one of my clients took all of her, not all of her, she took a number of her blog posts about, uh, she's a philanthropy expert and philanthropy speaker, and she turned several of her blog posts into a book, and that book has won many, many awards from philanthropic organizations and writing organizations, so there's certainly no shame in taking material and repurposing it and putting it out to a new audience. In fact, you're giving that intellectual property and those ideas new life. So it doesn't exist just merely on your web page, but is actually in a printed form that you can give out to people or in an electronic book form where more people can read your ideas as well. I want to remind our listeners that I am speaking with Dan Janelle right now. He's talking about how to 
write a book in a flash. And if you have any questions for Dan and you'd like to participate live, you can dial star two on your telephone keypad or press the uh, raise hand button if you are listening through the web call interface. And uh, we would uh, we would love to have you join us on the call and uh, get your questions answered live. So Dan, I have a question here from Kara. Um, she says that uh, ten chapters sounds doable. Is there a uh, usual length that uh, you'd like to see those those chapters? Uh, oh, great! That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. People today don't want to read thick, heavy, dense books. In fact, I remember. Uh, when I spoke at the Northern California chapter a million years ago, and uh, a woman sat next to me at lunch and said, I, I attended your seminar. I said, oh, thank you. And she said, it was very good. I, I said, thank you very much. And she said, I just have one question for you. I said, well, please ask. I love answering questions. And she said, do I have to read all of it? <laughs> because I had a 350-page book, and it was off-putting because it was so big. There was another person speaking on Internet marketing at the same conference, and he sold two cassettes. Remember, this is like 1983, 84. He sold two cassettes and a saddle stitch, you know, which is like a, a, a you know eight pages mimeographed or Xerox with staples in the middle, and he outsold me by a ton. And the reason was because people want something simple. They want something they could uh, easily access. And I think that's truer today than ever because of social media and Twitter and limited attention spans. So people today want to get on a plane in New York with your book and finish it by the time they land in Los Angeles. So we're talking about thinner, thinner books. So we're looking at maybe twenty to 25,000 words. And if you divide that into uh, – 10 chapters, we're talking about 2,000 words or 2,500 words per chapter, and I'm sure many of the people who are listening today can easily write a 2,500-word article. Well, bingo, that's the chapter in your book because, again, people want to read the book to get to know, like, and trust you so they can solve their problems. So, in fact, some people will buy a book just to solve one problem. I, I bought a book just on how to format for Kindle. You know, um, I didn't know how to do it. So I bought a book for $3, and, you know, now I, I, I know how to do it. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy doing that. So great question. We do want books of between 20,000, maybe 25,000 words. That equates out to about 150, 170 pages, depending on the print size. If you want to go up a little bit more to say about 200 pages, you can. Uh, that's about as far as I would go, though, unless you're in a specialty where you think people are going to read more. Because remember, you're not writing the encyclopedia about your topic today. You just want to get people to know, like, and trust you, so they want to hire you. And is that uh, that's uh, typically put together for a paperback format? Uh, not necessarily. My, my book is, is paperback, but there's nothing to stop you from working with a, uh, a, a publishing company or a book printer that will print hard copy, uh, you know, a, a hard cover or a fly, or, you know, a dust jacket with uh, silver or gold lettering. I know a number of speakers who do that, and just the visual impact of a hardcover book is uh, far superior to a paperback, frankly. And if you do it in bulk, it doesn't cost that much more. In fact, it could cost less if you, depending on the quantities. Uh, I was at a seminar recently where the speaker had printed a pretty thin book, but it was hardcover. 
and uh, had a slip cover with gold uh, embossed lettering on it, and uh, it looked really, really sharp. So you may want to go that route. But it can still be 200 pages or less. And Caitlin has a follow-up to that. She wants to know if you have a dimension, uh, the dimensions that you would recommend for your printed, final printed book. I guess they come in lots of different sizes for sure. They, they certainly do. And I would suggest you go to Barnes & Noble and look at the section where your book would be and see what the standard is for your industry and just copy that. That's a great suggestion. Um, so you uh, you say that you can write in a write a book in a flash. Um, what what exactly does that mean in time? Days, weeks, hours? Uh, that that's a great <laughs> question. Flash is one of those you know x variables in algebra. It can mean anything <laughs> you want it to mean. Uh, I know uh, one of my clients actually wrote his book in a weekend. He he took my book, he followed the examples, and he locked himself in his apartment and just wrote because he he knew all the material off the top of his head. He just needed to organize it. So by following my principles in my book and that outline format with the describers, he was able to get it all out and get it down, and that was really cool. Uh, Other people, you know, the biggest question I get, well, one of the two biggest questions I get is, I have a full-time job, and I have kids, and I find it hard to have an hour to write a book a day. And I said, okay, well, write 15 minutes a day. And if you write 15 minutes a day, you can easily write, uh, say, a 1,000 words. Um, And if you do that over 20 days, you will have your book done if you write a 1,000 words a day. If you write 500 words a day, it'll take you twice as long, but you'll still have the book done in less than two months. Remember, we're talking about 20,000 words, 25,000 words. This is not monumental. And frankly, if you can't do that, and let's be honest, there are some people who are just not wired for that, or they're too busy. They're really, you really are busy as speakers and you're flying all over or you're busy as parents and uh, you, you really are pulled in a lot of different directions. Well, here's the little dark, dirty secret of the speaking and writing industry. A lot of speakers don't write their books. They ghost write their books. They hired someone to help them write their books. So if that's you and, uh, or if you're making so much money per hour, doing whatever you're doing, consulting or whatever, it's not worth your time to write the book, then hire a ghostwriter like me who can help you write your book, and that way you get it done. Uh, In fact, someone spoke to our NSA chapter last year, and those were her exact words. She actually wrote her book, but she said in her level of the speaking industry at NSA, a lot of people uh, have hired ghostwriters to write their books for them. So uh, you have said, Dan, that uh, a book success can be determined before you even write the first word. Why is that, and what should you do? Yeah, this takes a bit of uh, thought here because um, a lot of people are under the impression that if you if you write it, they will come, you know, or follow your dreams and the money will follow and, and all that sort of stuff. And that, that's not exactly true in the book industry. 
Um, as I said before, there's only one reason why people want to read or buy a book, and that's because it solves a problem for them. So before you sit down and write the first word, you need to find out what is going to be successful. What do people really want to know? So there are a couple of ways to figure that out, and uh, this is another writer-downer kind of thing for people on the line here. Okay, number one, you can ask people. <laughs> you know, really brain-dead simple, right? Uh, you can ask people on social media, you know, on your Facebook account, and say, uh, what problems are you having? And then people will tell you, and you can figure it out from there. You could use SurveyMonkey, which is totally free, and send that out to your mailing list and say, hey, I'm thinking about writing a book that will include these ideas and these topics, and which do you think are the most important for you? And that way you can get some direct feedback from people on your mailing list. And here's a third way. Go to Amazon and read the reviews of books that compete with yours. And you will find what people like about those books and what people thought was missing from those books. So if you might read a review that says, I really like this book, but I wish they had spent more time talking about how to format a Kindle book or an ebook. It's like, oh, gee, that's something people need to know about, and this book doesn't address it. That's cool, and I know how to do that, so I'll include that in my book. And you'll find other nuggets like that that will turn you on to what, uh, what is missing from the best-selling books that compete with yours. And also you'll find out what they really, really liked about those books, and maybe you have a different spin on that idea. You know, we don't want you to copy. We don't want you to steal. That's illegal. That's immoral. That's plagiarism. We don't want to do that at all. But you might see a book that is written for, say, really, really large businesses, and you focus on small businesses, and you're going to have different examples and different ideas and a different perspective because you're looking at it from the small business angle, or you're looking at it from the trucking industry, and they're looking at it from the aerospace industry. So your ideas and your format and your uh, perceptions of how to solve the problem will be totally different because of your experiences and the experiences of your readers. So those are great ways to find out what is going to make your book a success before you wrote, write even the first word. We have nine questions from people that are all asking uh, for you to talk a little bit more about the self-publishing uh, versus traditional publisher um, uh, methods. So what are the advantages to publishing yourself of uh, some people are are concerned that uh, the idea of uh self publishing may have a negative impact on your credibility um what do you think about the differences between self publishing and using a a publisher okay that's a great question and my book will help you whether you're self publishing or whether you're going to a traditional publisher. So I have no skin in this game one way or the other. I've, I've self-published books. I've had books published by uh, major publishing houses that have been translated into six languages. So, again, I have skin in both, both sides of the field, so I can give you an honest example or honest answers of the pros and cons. Okay, if you go with a traditional publisher, yes, there is some implied credibility, and they do have better distribution than if you do it by yourself. They also uh, take all the burden off of you of uh, proofreading and copy editing and layout and book cover design and back cover design and getting the book on Amazon and having it listed in the right categories 
and uh, distribution and warehousing and all of that. So those are all positives. But also, in today's world, it's very rare for a, an author to get a contract that does not include uh, you buying back, say, $30,000 worth of books. Um, very few of my uh, clients or people that I know in NSA or other speaking or other authorship groups uh, are getting contracts that have advances or even significant advances. Instead, the publisher says, you know, to themselves, it's going to cost us about $30,000 to have this book, to turn this manuscript into a book. You know, think about that. You've written a manuscript. You have not written a book. That book needs to be proofread, copy edited, laid out, and on and on. There are a lot of steps to turn your manuscript into a printed book or an e-printed book. Um, and the publisher is going to invest, say, $30,000 to do that by the time it's all said and done. So they are relieving you of that financial burden initially, but they want to leverage their bets. So basically they're saying, we want you to buy 6,000 copies of the book at $5 a piece over the next year or two or three. Um, so they're amortizing their, their, their costs. They're leveraging their investment in you. So you might say to yourself, well, that sucks. <laughs> so you're giving up a lot of control, uh, but you, you, for, you don't have the hassles of being the general manager, so to speak, who is coordinating all these proofreaders and copiators and layout people and such like that, which, which, is, which is challenging, uh, to be honest. Um, and in return, uh, you're buying $30,000 worth of books which you would not have to spend 30000 to do all this, by the way. I'll get to the other side of the equation in a minute. Um, and you would get royalties. So what do royalties mean? Royalties mean you get maybe 10 to 15% of what the publisher gets. So let's say your book sells for $25, and they sell it on Amazon, and Amazon wants 50%. It's usually more than that, but 50% is easier to work with. So if you're a $25 book, uh, your publisher is getting $12.50 you're getting 15% or say 10% of that. So you're getting $1.20 per book. So you'd have to sell mm, 20,000 copies to make your $30,000 back. So uh, financially, it sucks. So the person who said, but you get implied credibility by going to a big, big publisher. Yeah, that's true. But tell me, do you read John Grisham books? I do. Do you read Stephen King books? I do. Can you, can you tell me who, who the publisher is? I can't. I honestly don't know. And I doubt that anyone who picks up your book is going to know uh, the difference between a John Wiley from a Horizon Publishing, which could be the name of your publishing company. Um, I mean, if it's Dan's publishing company, that may be a little too informal. But if you call it a six-star publishing, who knows what the imprints are these days uh, among publishers. There are a lot of sub-publishers, or not, that's not the right term, but every publishing house like Penguin has other brands under it and unless you're in the industry i doubt that anyone really knows all the brand names for all the different books out there and uh so um i hope that answers that question about the implied credibility now let's talk about the pros and cons of self-publishing well if you self-publish you get to keep all the money and your book comes out fast i forgot to mention that if you go to a traditional publisher your book would take six months to a year to two years to actually hit the shelves uh, they could move faster if you're writing a book about, you know, um, a plane crashing in the Hudson. They're going to get that book out really, really fast. If you're writing a book about leadership, they're going to take their sweet time with it. So 
if you want to make money on your book, uh, you can self-publish it, and it can be printed very, very quickly. Um, again, we can write the book in a month or two or three. I think three months to four months is a realistic time to write a book, given all the wonderful things that you're doing in your life. Uh, so you don't have to lock yourself in a room <laughs> to do this, but mm -hmm. you do it at a nice leisurely pace. Um, but then you have to turn that manuscript into a book. So you have to proofread it now. I proofread my book, I, I tell you. I proofread it on the screen. I printed it out and proofread it, and I found more errors. I had a text-to-voice uh, program read it to me, and I found more errors. Then I showed it to my wife, who was a proofreader, and she found more errors. Then we showed it to, uh, actually, it was ghostwritten books. I showed it to my client at that point. He found some errors, and he showed it to his wife, and she found some errors. So here we have like six or seven people who are reading it six or seven times, and we still found errors. No fear, okay, great. We finally figured it all out. There are no more errors here. Uh, so we hired a person to do the, uh, the audio book, and she read it, and she found a dozen errors. So, I mean, it's never ending. You, you, you really uh, need to hire copy editors and proofreaders uh, to, 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 to get this uh, looking right. Then you need to hire people to lay out the book interior and exterior, cover design or whatever. And it won't cost you $30,000, uh, but it'll probably cost you between five and seven and $10,000. So that's not insignificant. But you can do it, and I want to give you a realistic number of, of what you can do or what you should budget for. And then, of course, there's marketing. So marketing is totally up to you. You could just sell it at the back of the book and sell it on your website. That's your total marketing expense. You could buy ads on Amazon, which are pretty inexpensive, frankly, and um, get some sales that way. Or you can do, like, full-blown-out advertising marketing campaigns and whatever. But, frankly, I think if you just put ads on Amazon, uh, you'll do pretty well because your book will be lined up against other books that compete with it. And Amazon does this for you pretty much automatically, so you don't have to be a rocket science to do this. You just tell Amazon what your book is about and tell them your budget, and they start putting the ads. And the ad really is the cover of your book. Uh, so people see your book and your name and the price, and they can click to it, and they go to your Amazon page, and then they decide to buy the book or not based on the material that you provided there that, you know, describe the book and have your reviews for the book and all, all that good stuff. So uh, I hope that's uh, a good answer for people who asked about traditional publishing versus self-publishing. Um, you might ask me, uh, Dan, did you self-publish your last book? And I'd say, no, I went with the publisher. And you say, why? Well, uh, I found a really, really good publisher. He, he was a friend of mine, you know, professional friend. He, I was on his podcast. He was on my podcast. I told him I was writing a book. He said, let me publish it for you. And I figured, like, okay, great. So he incurred all the expenses of, of publishing. He didn't charge me for it, which was very good. He didn't make me buy any copies, which was good. You know, I do want to buy copies, of course, to sell at my events. Um, but it was, a, it was a really sweet publishing deal. Plus, he knew how to market so he was bringing a lot of credibility to the table because he's had a number of number one bestsellers in different categories that have stayed number one for years, not just for the month that it's been launched. And if you're like, okay, this guy knows things, things about marketing that I don't know, and I'm going to hitch my wagon to his, and the book has done very well uh, since it's been out in April. So I'm pretty happy with that decision. So that's the pros and cons. I, I can walk on either side. If someone's making a sweetheart offer, then go with it. In fact, there's a friend of mine now um, uh, here in Minneapolis who wrote a sales book. It's like number one in sales, and he's with uh, he was with Amicom, and they were bought by 
another publisher, HarperCollins, and uh, he's doing gangbusters. I mean, really selling tens of thousands of copies. It's one of those rare breakthrough books that will do well and hopefully will do well uh, after this initial launch period. So they're obviously putting some muscle behind it. So if the traditional publisher is really going going to support your book instead of just to make you buy $30,000 worth of books, then that may be a reason to hit your wagon to a traditional publisher as well. It sounds like even if you have a traditional publisher, um, you still have to buy a lot of books from them. You said $30,000 or so. Um, you're still going to have a marketing expense on top of that because you're going to want to sell those books. You don't want them all stacked up in boxes in your garage. Exactly, and that's where you know being a speaker really helps to move those those books. You know, you know, frankly, there are two ways to get rid of. To, to, for, for, well, I would say get rid of the books. That's not the right term. Uh, they're, 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 <laughs> well, that's that's what a lot of authors are thinking. How do I get rid of these things? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, number one, when you speak, you can take books with you and sell them from the back of the room um, with permission from the, uh, the, the 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 sponsor, of course, or the sponsor could buy books for everyone in the room, and that's part of your engagement fee, uh, you know, your, your speaker fee plus an education fee or a book fee, um, or you combine them together. Speakers do all of those things with, you know, whatever is e- easier for the meeting planner to absorb, uh, it works. So that, that's, that's, that's one way to sell the books. But, again, going back to the idea of your book being a big business card, and if you're looking for the big consulting engagements, the traditional way is to say, gee, I'll advertise my book, I'll market my book, I hope that uh, the right people buy the book, and I hope the right people read the book, and I hope the right people will contact me so we can engage in a conversation so they will hire me. Well, that's a lot of steps. I want to reduce that step. So take out your pens. Here's another writer-downer. Think of the five companies you want to work for, and then send the book to the president of those five companies or the vice president of sales or the vice president of customer service or whichever department you want to speak for and give them the book. If you go to a networking meeting, give them the book. That's so important. It cuts out all those other steps and hoping that they see it. Now you know they will see it because it's coming to them in a FedEx box. Now, will they read the book? Some will, some won't. Will they read your cover letter? Probably. And if they're interested, they'll get in touch with you. And if they're not interested, what are they going to do? They're going to take the book and put it on their bookshelf because no one ever throws out a book. They'll keep it there. And then two weeks later, two months later, two years later, they're going to say, you know, we're having a conference and we need someone to speak about networking or customer service or sales. And I remember getting a book about that a couple of, you know, some time ago. Where was it? I know it had an orange cover. Uh, Oh, there it is. (laughs) And then, they have it. So your book stands as a silent salesperson forever in the in the minds of your prospects because you're the person who wrote the book. You're the one that's going to stand out because your book is on their bookshelf already. So Much that's, better than uh, the free pen they got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who needs your coffee mug winds up in the break room? Yeah, that, that's not not a good idea. By the way, you can get your book cover on a coffee cup. You know, I went to Vista Print the other day to get some business cards made, and they have really great prices. But uh, I think the reason that they have really great prices is they try to upsell you on everything else in their catalog. So after I 
put the order in for the business cards, they said, would you like your, your image on, on a coffee cup? And I thought, you know, that, that's pretty cool. And they said, would you like your image on a pillow? And I thought, oh, my God, on a pillow? I showed that to my wife. She said, no, no, we don't want your image on a pillow. <laughs> and I could not blame her. But I did get my, uh, my book cover uh, on a tote bag that I can take around at conferences for $15. So and I printed on both sides as well, so I don't have to worry about, you know, which side is actually showing because they both show the book cover. Uh, and uh, I walk around to conferences and people see the, the, the cover of my book and that can start a conversation. So we're, we're marketing that way. Um, but to get back to your other question about, you know, how do we market the book? Oh, God, there, there are a million and one ways to market a book. John Kramer wrote a book 20 years ago called 101 Ways to Market Your Book. Now it's uh, been updated. Now so there's 1,001 ways to market your book. There's probably 10,000 ways in that book. You don't have to do them all because I'm never going to cold call someone and neither are you. But there are probably 9,000 other ways in there that do work with your um, uh, abilities. So if you like to write, there are ways to write. If you like to speak, there are ways to sell your book. If you like to network in person, there are ways to sell the book. If you're introverted and don't want to go to those events, there are ways to sell your book. So I'd strongly recommend John Kramer's book. Get the latest version. I don't know what year, what number it is, but if you go to Amazon, they'll just look for the latest version, not one that's five years old, because it may not have some ideas about social media that are now current uh, that weren't in existence, you know, five or 10 or 15 years ago. All right. I want to remind our listeners uh, that you have one more chance, actually, to uh, – Participate live in this call. If you have a question that you'd like to ask Dan, dial star 2 on your keypad or press the raise hand button in your web interface so we can bring you in to ask your question live. Uh, Dan, you mentioned a couple of good reasons that somebody might want a book coach, mainly the uh, proofreading, making sure that you have everything proofread and that you have everything laid out properly. What are some other good reasons to work with a book coach? Okay, those are really um, proofreading and copy editing skills. Uh, book coaches do a lot more than that. Book coaches really don't do uh, that that level of editing. Their book coaches are well. Think about a coach that you have for you know your speaking business. You know they they hear your speech and they say, oh, I think you buried the lead. I think this would be a better story for you to bring up top. And you say, oh, okay, great. Uh, and they say, you know, you're lacking some emphasis here. Why not put a little bit more uh, enthusiasm here? And, you know, you're walking, you're pacing, and you're, your arms are going crazy. Put them down by your sides. You know, coaches can see things that you don't see. So let me give you a couple of examples when, when I was coaching my clients. You know, one woman wrote a, a really wonderful book about how nurses can use improv to improve communications with doctors. And she had uh, a dialogue. A sample script of a conversation gone bad because apparently doctors don't like to take uh, ideas from nurses. <laughs> you know, they, they think that they, uh, they're the smartest person in the room when in fact nurses really do know a lot. So she showed the sample dialogue of a conversation gone bad and then she said if you use a certain improv technique you can defuse the situation so the doctor is more likely to listen to you and accept the idea and I thought that was really good. But you know what was missing? She didn't have a dialogue that showed where the conversation went right. And that was something that I saw as an obvious 
missing point, and she went right, you know, didn't even think about that. It hadn't entered her, her mind. So that's what a good coach can do for you is to show you what's missing. Another one of my clients wrote a book about communications, and it was all a lot of theory, a lot, a lot of science, a lot of statistics, and it was all very well documented, but it was lacking that human element. And I said, Alan, you really need to have more stories here. And he said, well, I'm not a really good storyteller. I, I like the science of this. I said, well, people really relate to stories. You know, that's how the Bible is written. That's how we learn things. That's how you know, people relate to stories, and then they understand the moral and the point of the story. You really need to have stories. He said, well, I don't know how to do a story. Well, I coached him on how to do a story, and he came up with a, a wonderful story that showed how he mentored one of his uh, uh, his direct reports, and she did a wonderful thing, and it was really a great story, well told, and it turned out that that became the lead story in the first chapter in the book because it really positioned him as a trusting, guided mentor who doesn't take the credit for everyone else's success, but can stay behind the scenes and help people along the way. So it positions him beautifully. So, so that really worked out well. So those are just two examples of where a coach can come in and show you what you don't know, what you don't see, and can make your book so much better. In fact, when I talked to Ken Blanchard uh, for the book, you know, Ken Blanchard wrote The One Minute Manager and Who Moved My Cheese, and he's actually written 60 books, and each one of his books was written with a collaborator, a co-author, and I and I and I asked him, why did you write books with co-authors? Because you know you're obviously a very smart guy, and he said, I learn so much when I work with someone else, and I thought that was very humble of him to say, and also very illuminating because we're speakers, we're authors, we think we're really, really smart, but, you know, there's someone out there who's smarter than we are, there's someone out there who can make our work better, and isn't that what we really want, to make our work as good as possible, so it really does shine and stand the test of time, and that's where you'll make the real money on your book, you know, if your book is selling year after year after year, you know, you'll make money well into your retirement and live off the income from your book, which is another good reason to write a book that is good and will stand the test of time. And maybe the coach is the one that helps you get there. We have a question from, I believe this is Christopher. Christopher, you are on the line. Go ahead. Hi, Christopher. If you, hello. If you raised your hand, you can speak now. You're unmuted. From Wisconsin. You may have muted your own line. Okay. We have another call. Another yeah, question from Byron. Go ahead, Byron. Or, yes, somebody All else right. is speaking, a woman. Am I there? Can you hear You're me now? Yes. yes. Uh, All right. The male voice is, is here. Yes. Hi. Here we go. This is Captain Awesome from Texas. Howdy. Uh, Howdy. Howdy. I missed the number. How many words should you have per chapter? Uh, we're looking at maybe a 25,000-word book. If you have 10 chapters, that will be 2,500 okay, words per chapter. The second part of my question, I was approached by a publisher. How much should – I didn't like the contract. An attorney, My attorney said, don't sign this contract. You're relinquishing too much mm -hmm. control, and they're only offering you 5%. What is the normal numbers for the amount of control 
and the percent they should pay you per book. Okay, uh, great question. And I, w I want to uh, uh, scoot back a little bit to the question earlier about self-publishing versus traditional publishing. Um, there are vanity presses out there that will charge you a fortune uh, for publishing things. They are pirates. Uh, they are horrible, horrible people. They dominated the industry 20, 30 years ago. There are few of them now, but they still exist. So before you sign any contract with any publisher, you want to, make, you want to check them out to make sure they are a legitimate publisher um, that, uh, that, that does quality work. So don't sign any contract before doing that. Okay, uh, now to get to your direct question. Um, royalties are between 10 and 15%, usually 5% is on the low side. It's not egregious, uh, but the rights thing, uh, that that's really important, uh, and your lawyer was totally correct in pointing that out to you. I mean, what rights are you giving up? Because, you know, there are digital rights, there are film rights. I don't know if you're writing a novel, um, but it could be turned into a movie or a television series. You know, what rights do you do you still own? So I'm glad you showed it to a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. Trust your lawyer on this one. I think he did you a good service by telling you not to sign the contract. Uh, and remember, Everything is negotiable. So if they are a legitimate publisher, uh, this is not their first rodeo. They will know what to give in on and what they will not give in on. And a good attorney who specializes in publishing contracts, and that's an underliner there, who publish, who specializes in these contracts. You don't want your divorce attorney looking at this. They right. don't know what they're looking for. Um, but a, a good literary uh, lawyer will know what to ask for. He'll know, they'll know what the ranges are. They'll know what they can get away with, and they'll know when they're being snookered. So thanks for asking that question. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, Byron. All right, Dan, I can't believe the time has uh, gone by so quickly. So it's flown by. But uh, we are just about out of time. I want to be sure, uh, once again, people know how to reach you if they would like to. Sure. My website is right. Great, thanks. My, my website is called writeyourbookinaflash.com. The name of the book is Write Your Book in a Flash. It's available on Amazon. All my information is available on the website. I also have a Facebook group called Write Your Book in a Flash, and uh, I have a YouTube channel, too. So it's all equally branded. You can find lots of good information uh, on those sites to help you with your writing and your editing and your publishing. And if you'd like to uh, talk to me to see if I can be your book coach or help you in any other way, there's a link on that website that will uh, get you onto my calendar, and we can have a free 20-minute no-obligation conversation and see if it's a good fit. And also, if you go to my website, you can download a free chapter on my book on how to overcome writer's block. So if that's a problem for you, you'll want to read that free chapter. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure, as always. Well, thank you again. And uh, all the information that Dan just uh, went through is available online in our uh, replay, speakermatch.com slash replay. There's a section called show notes that has uh, links to all of the uh, resources that were mentioned on this call. Dan, before you go, I want to give you one last chance to share any golden nuggets you might have or uh, great information that uh, our speakers can leave with. Uh, sure. Uh, you can write your book in a flash. It's, it is my motto. Uh, uh, you probably have more going for you than you think. A lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome. They say, I can't possibly write a book. I'm not this great. I don't have a PhD. Well, it's easy to talk yourself out of writing a book, but it's so much easier to actually 
do the work and write the book because you have so much intellectual property and so much content available at your fingertips. You just need to sit down and do the work. It can be done once you have a system and the write your book in a flash system will help you get your book done. So thanks again for having me on. Thank you, Dan. If you listen to other podcasts, you're probably used to hearing requests for iTunes reviews. These reviews are so important to us because they are the fuel we use to bring on great guests and build our audience. And if you value today's call or any previous interviews you've listened to, I would really appreciate it if you could take uh, at least just a couple of minutes to go onto iTunes, search for Speaker Match, and click the Review tab to let others know what you think. It would really mean a lot to us, and we would appreciate it. Until next time, this is Brian Kaplovitz. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Speaker Match radio series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. Speaker Match is the leading provider of tools and services for emerging professional speakers. You can find more information about Speaker Match at www.speakermatch.com. Our toll-free number, if you prefer to reach us by phone, is 1-866-372-8768. International callers can reach us at area code 512-372-8768. Thank you again for listening, and we wish you the best in your speaking career.